Hello, and welcome to the Powered by Rock podcast, where we're going to be speaking with Jake Laterman from an awesome punk rock band out of Melbourne, Australia, called Clowns. That will absolutely make you want to punch and kick in a mosh pit all day. You're listening to the Powered by Rock podcast with your host, Isaac Kuhlman. The Powered by Rock podcast was created to help showcase some of the best rock musicians in the world and to pass on to future generations the rock music that has inspired rock bands around the world for decades. We want listeners to be able to hear great stories and life experiences directly from their favorite artists, as well as dig deeper into music theory and talk rock like no other show you've ever heard. This isn't about looking cool. It's about getting real and having a great time. Without further ado, let's start the show. Hey, 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 welcome to the Powered by Rock podcast. I'm absolutely pumped to have Jake from Clowns on the show today, as I'm, I'm relatively a newcomer to their music, but I'm absolutely a huge fan of the music, and I can't wait to dig deeper into the mind of this mad Aussie today. So, Jake, welcome to the show. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, yeah, everyone. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's great to have you here. I mean, you know, like I said, I'm kind of a newcomer, but I listen to the music and it gets me pumped. So, I mean, I think when, when people have been a fan of yours, they, they know exactly what I mean. You guys put on a hell of a, you have a lot of energy and put on a hell of a show. So, you know, I, I first have to start by kind of referencing something that I feel is kind of a, a fact of life. Now, and I truly believe that some of the best bands are actually in the world right now are coming from Australia. You know, I absolutely love the psychedelic porn crumpets, uh, surf rocking band skags. And I definitely dig clowns. Do you think that there's like some massive effort coming out of Australia right now? That's sort of like the California rock and punk rock that was kind of huge in the nineties and two thousands. Man, it's so interesting. I hear a lot of podcasts and um, a lot of like us and Canadian podcasts talk about this and like the, the influx of Australian bands at the moment. I, I think I've always felt like um, bands that we have here have been pretty solid as well, but I wouldn't, I, I mean, I never thought of it to be any, better than anywhere else but you know like i i continually hear about like the the punk uh, movement in like the 70s in australia and like the, how, how you know like the rise of acdc and yeah. there's definitely a lot of um respect towards australian rock which i think is really cool i think it's cool that people pay attention yeah. um but yeah we do have a solid amount of bands so glad glad you digging it <laughs> yeah i put something in the water down here i guess yeah it's like don't get a job go out and be a rock star it's no big deal <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into some of these kind of deeper greater topics that we want to bring up i obviously want to ask you about your journey like what got you guys into playing music what got you into music and playing drums obviously what were some of the artists and influences you guys had and and what was what made you choose this path for your life um i think that like well, the band started with uh, Stevie, the vocalist, and myself. Like we went to school together, and we we grew up together. Um, and I think as kids, like we never really saw ourselves doing anything else. Like I think we, you know, we played music together um, all through school. And then when it actually came to finishing school, my parents were kind of like, you know, like what now? And I and I was just like, all all I wanted to do was play music, and it was yeah. it took a lot of convincing to like get that, that to be allowed um so we spent like that first year out of school just like playing in this band clowns that we had started and i think we played like 
150 shows or something <laughs> stupid like that. Like something <laughs> like we were the kind of band that would just take any gig that was offered to us because we just thought, oh, this band wants us to play, we'll play. And and yeah. uh, I think like in that first year we just were having so much fun with it. We didn't really have any goal, like real goals. We just wanted to get involved. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, after that first year, like we, we saw a little bit of momentum in it and, and uh, we're like, oh, what's another year of, of this? And uh, what's another year of uh, my parents wanting me to go to university or something? <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, 10 years on, like it's, it, you know, we just took, little strides here and there and little opportunities and and um that this is where we are uh, nice. you know like just just happens like that yeah. i guess and what, what were some of the bands that got you guys kind of uh got into that kind of started your influence because obviously it's it's a pretty i would say it's a harder punk rock sound than than you know pop punk for sure but it's i wouldn't say it's like ultra hardcore where it's like you know just thrashy punk music but it's kind of in between those two things yeah for sure. I, I mean, early on, for me personally, like I, I probably was worshiping a lot of like Australian um, rock and punk music, like namely The Living End and uh, Friends and Friends of Rum. They, yeah. they were two bands that like I really looked up to. And then I think like you know there was obviously Green Day and Blink One Eighty Two that were big when I was kids. But I think maybe more specifically towards Clowns when that band, you know, once we started that, I think it was maybe like a year or two in that I really discovered the eighties American hardcore scene. And, uh, I think I watched, I watched that documentary American hardcore. And I think that just sort of flipped my world a little bit. <laughs> um, and it made me realize that like, there's, you don't really need to be a big band to, you know, you, you shouldn't care about that kind of stuff really. Like you, you should just like, you know, be involved in your music community and, and, yeah. um, you know, like make connections with other bands. And like, I think that, um, at that time I was pretty much of the mind that that was the only thing I liked, you know, <laughs> like, you know, those stubborn kids that are just like, that are just like, I like this and everything else sucks. Punk oh, yeah. rock is that's, that's how I was. I was that yeah. kid for a little while. And, um, so I think that was maybe the beginning of, of clowns was like eighties hardcore mixed with like, you know, a few other, um, maybe like trash talk and the Bronx and, and that kind of thing. Like, nice. I think we sort of like went for that sound a bit earlier on. Nice. And obviously you guys have had some lineup changes since obviously getting together. Um, you, you even have, you know, I think you have five people in the band now, but it hasn't always even been a five piece. Has it? No, we started as a four piece. Um, we had, we've had, multi I think we have like the, maybe the sixth or the seventh guitar player in our band currently. Um, we can't seem to keep guitar, guitar players, but thankfully they're the most expendable. Um, <laughs> and, <love> and um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think that um, I'm sure like lots of bands can attest to this, to any band that like, really wants to like give it a good crack like you know touring is not for everybody it, it it's pretty yeah. like it's pretty soul um crushing at times and i think that um you know we we lost a few people on the way because of that or maybe just because of like 
the amount of time that we really put into it, you know, like rehearsals and yeah. um, recording and always constant, we were always constantly just thinking of the next thing, the next record, the next tour, that whatever. And uh, it's, it's, you know, it's not for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> That's for no, sure. I mean, you, you, you kind of said what I wanted to kind of get to. I mean, when you have a band that's as dedicated as, especially like you and Stevie, I know I, I see Stevie on Instagram constantly talking about the band, doing everything like, you know, hey, there's new vinyls out. There's, we got, we're at a pizza shop. We got a pop up shop at a pizza place. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, he's got, I don't know if there's the whole band thing into this or just him or what, but there's a lot of good ideas that like just bringing the visibility of the band out there that I don't think he can sit still. That's, that's what I think. But, um, that yeah, describes that, him pretty well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think, you know, that will kind of wear on people if that's the attitude of some of the band, but not all of the band. Right. And, you know, it might be, it might seem like a good idea to jump on this moving ship, but if that ship's moving too fast, you're going to want to get off pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think that, you know, like early on, we were very much like, like we need everyone involved. Everyone needs to go home and write a song and bring it in. And like, it was very much like that early on, but I think we've evolved into a place where Stevie and I, and, and Jared as well. Jared is like a band member that's been in for a significant amount of time. We definitely, um, you know, focus on it on a daily basis. Yeah. And we don't expect that of everybody. <laughs> yeah. If that, if that makes sense. like It does. I mean, it, everybody's yeah. got to have a role. And if it, their role isn't to do everything, it's just come and do this. And that's all we need. That way it takes some pressure off of bandmates. Then yeah, that makes sense. Totally. Totally. Yeah. One thing I noticed about you guys' music is that there's definitely an evolution. And, and you kind of maybe touched on this. Like you, you were really into just like that hardcore punk scene when you first started. And that's, I mean, that's kind of how the first album was. And then, you know, uh, I think in the, the bad blood album, I think it's called, um, it changed a little bit. You had some more foundations of like more complex musical arrangements, which kind of took the band into some different, you know, nine minute, 11 minute, 10 minute songs, stuff like that. And, uh, the song human terror at the end of bed, bad blood is actually a pretty good example of this. In my opinion, it's like five minutes of instrumentation. And then that basically shows, you know, how talented you guys are and just an awesome piece. It's like, you know, this well-balanced, you know, overall song. You feel like that was like a conscious, conscious effort to kind of start taking that music in that direction. Did it feel like you, you were changing too much too quickly or is it like, we just do whatever we want. And this, this is just a cool ass song. I think um, by the time we did the second record, we had already decided that we wanted to do something different. And I think very early on we were, um, had decided that every record we did was going to be a bit different. It, every record would introduce something new because, you know, any music fan can, can agree that like no one wants to hear the same record over and over. I mean, some people do, but I've said but, the uh, same shit like 10 times with, di with different artists. And it's like, if I hear the same band playing the same shit they played for 30 years, I'm like, I'm out. Like you can only yeah. do that like three or four albums before I'm sick of it. That's, that's exactly right. And like, I think we just, um, yeah, with bad blood, like we, um, there was a lot of different ideas I, that, that was like the hardest record for us to write because it was just, there was too many cooks in the kitchen and like, yeah. you know, we, we'd spent at that time we'd spent like, you know, like months and months just working on like one song and, and like, um, anyways, getting back to the, 
the evolution of the songs. I think that, um, yeah, we had, we had decided that, that everyone was going to be different. And like, by the time we did the third record, we had listened to some, I think I had like sort of found, um, a love for like phases and like, you know, like elements of psych music and, and, and whatnot. And we sort of incorporated that into our sound. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Uh, so yeah. I was gonna say, speaking of human Terry, you guys actually have a few instances of these like dual songs. Um, I don't know how to like they're they're connected songs, I should say, like human error and human terror, awake and asleep, nature and nurture, and that's the name of the, the most recent album. You guys have like any do you ha- do you have personally any insight or input as to how these songs were fit together? Or is that is that a band discussion or is that something Stevie thinks of or how's that go? That's um you know, I, I've never actually made that connection before. <laughs> like I, we definitely had, um, like I, I know, obviously know about all those song titles and, and how those songs came to be, but I have not ever thought to myself that there is three in, interconnecting song titles. Um, they were all well, I will ideas. Say Awake is kind of like a bit of an, uh, not really even a song. It's kind of like, I think it's Roddy Roddy Piper from the song, from the movie, uh, they live or something like that kind of introducing your album which is pretty cool but it, it the song title obviously connects to the asleep one later on which is kind of like a spoken word mu- musical thing as well yeah i, I think that um like a, a lot of the lyrical themes are, are stevie's mind um but i can i can always think about like conversations back in those times when we were like just discussing ideas and i definitely remember that the conversation of like, oh, that song's called Awake. We should call this one Asleep. And then um, human, yeah, exactly the same with human error and human terror. And I think Nature Nurture, that was more of a, an album theme. That was like, yeah. that was like before that album even came to be anything, we had decided that that was going to be the album title and each side of the record was going to sort of have like opposing elements to them nice so it was like um, a, a duality between the album itself yeah so so like we at the beginning of that record as soon as we wrote the first two or three songs we had a whiteboard and like we're like okay that song definitely belongs on side nature that song definitely belongs on side nurture yeah and so that, that was sort of constructed in that way yeah. uh, which was different for us for sure i mean there's a lot of bands that do concept albums and and i think it's it's interesting when a band because every band goes in thinking like there's going to be some sort of theme with the album but it doesn't mean that like every song has to fit a certain concept right it's just like maybe this is the mood maybe i wrote all the songs in the month of december so we're calling it december or whatever right there's a lot of theme style albums without them being concept albums so when it actually is like a concept album like that instead of just two connected songs it actually makes it even cooler because then now I'll go back to that and listen to it and, and think, oh yeah, this actually, and, and, and now that you say that some of the later songs in the album for sure have like, you know, less heavy song, they're le- le- like not so hard. Right. So it makes a lot of sense. So that's for interesting. Sure. And, and I like that. So I also really like how you guys came out with, with I'm not right. Like I, I do love that album. It's, it's just this fast pace. It's, it's kind of a statement album. Even the song titles like grave junkie, eat a gun jesus on acid and oh fuck my face like there's so much grit on that album I'm like that's just so funny like who writes these t- song titles like this is 
even just reading the like the the cover you're just like okay this band's got some humor first of all but also like there's some grit there like do you guys feel like you know you have a different view than your younger selves did because like you know that's i mean that's it's kind of like inner inner jokes and and all that kind of stuff but you feel like what was said back then and made back then is still part of your band identity though or (laughs) is it just totally different i think we've done a lot of growing up since that record but um I think it, it definitely goes back to like, you know, we were all listening to a lot of hardcore and, and everything that we did, we were sort of like actively trying to be gritty. I think everything, yeah. Matt, you know, it's probably because everything we were listening to at the time was gritty and, <laughs> and like we were always pushing ourselves into new, new ways to, to sound gritty, whether that be like, me learning how to do a blast beat or someone else learning how to play that fast or, or whatever. Like it was always, yeah. we we're always just like, we had this rule that if you could, if you couldn't play something that someone had written, you had to, you had to like physically had to learn it. And there was no, there was no um, excuse. <laughs> yeah, We were just like, well, you can't play it. Okay. You better go home and rehearse it then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, it was a lot of... next week because we'll meet in like six days. Yeah, yeah, that, that's it. Yeah. Um, but you know, like those, we still play a lot of those songs. Um, but I think that the songwriting across the board of the band has definitely um, gone a little deeper. You know, like I think on the last record, Nature Nurture, like we had a few songs that were um, maybe a little deeper on an emotional yeah. level, and then. And then, like, for the remainder of the records, we were like, oh, we should just go back and do more heavy shit. Like, yeah. so we did. And and it's funny because I think that we all enjoy playing the heavier stuff more. Like, yeah. It's yeah. just well, like. Well, there's one song on there called Prick that, you know, I think it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. I mean, it's also like a social commentary, I think, in about two things. Maybe like, you know, one, specifically people saying you should separate artists from the art. Um, he's, you know, Stevie actually sings that as like, you know, you should separate music from the musician, art from the artist and all that stuff. Um, and, and I think it's referring to, you know, some of these human pieces of shit that are just famous artists like R. Kelly, Michael Jackson, not specifically mentioning them by name. Um, cause they don't play guitar in, in this song. It's like, yeah, but he's a good guitar. So he's like, who gives a shit? Like you guys a piece of garbage. Right. But, yeah. uh, I, I think that, you know, just because someone does make good music, it doesn't give them an excuse for anything, which is a great social commentary within that song. And I, I believe that punk music is inherently socially and politically aware and charged in their music in general. So do you feel like you guys have like a, a place within social, political, um, you know, just the ability to speak out? No, I, I, I know within the music for sure, but you take that away from the music and actually stand for, you know, these things on, on instagram or you know on on social media and do you you know what would you say to people who are like oh musicians shouldn't give their opinions on politics um i feel like musicians can do whatever the fuck they want you know like if if you're you're writing a song like you can you can write a song about anything you want and i think something that that our band hasn't really been afraid of is is doing that you know because like if you if you do write a political song you're gonna have a divide absolutely you can't you can't stop that but it just depends what message you're trying to get across and you know like 
I think um, I think that we're in a time, especially right now, that that like people really need to raise their voices and and uh, you know, with the birth of the internet, like it's it's very it's very it's a very capable thing to make a difference, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's also a very easy thing to voice your stupid opinion if you absolutely have no fucking idea what you're talking about as well. <laughs> That's so true. It works, unfortunately, both ways. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I saw somewhere on like Facebook or something one time, like, or maybe it was Instagram. Uh, you know, Rage Against the Machine, Tom Morello. Like, uh, somebody said, like, I'm never listening. I didn't know. Like, I just found out you guys are like anti-Republican or something like that, or anti-conservatism. And, and uh, I just I never, found that out. Yeah, he's like, I'm never listening to your band out. again. He's like, what fucking machine did you think we were raging against this whole time? <laughs> like, That's so, so fucking good. Yeah. That's amazing. I was like, this is like 2020 or 21 when I saw this. <laughs> I was like, Are you serious right now? This is 30 years of this. So you, you're insane. But yeah, they he's slipped like, under some people's radar. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, you weren't listening to the lyrics. You're just bobbing your head like an idiot the whole time. And you yeah, know, so. that's it. <laughs> Man. So obviously the pandemic shut you guys down uh, when it came to the tour to promote nature nurture and obviously move forward and stuff. But how gutted were you like literally right at the point where you guys are taking the band to new heights and just had everything canceled? Um, you know, like I, I think every band has definitely had their moments of feeling pretty down about everything, but I, I definitely find a lot of solace in knowing that we did over the years we have done so much touring and and experienced so much and more than anything i think like this far into the pandemic i think we're all just feeling really grateful that we actually had the chance to do that we got to yeah. like in 2019 that was our busiest touring year ever and pro and may well be the busiest touring year we will ever have we yeah it's hard to go back to, to doing that much when you have that big break of relaxing right <laughs> oh dude i think we like like i can't even begin to explain like how close to breaking point some of us were <laughs> yeah, yeah. but um we you know we got to go to the states and we got to go to um europe twice and japan and australia all in one year so it was it was a very busy year and i and we squeezed in just before the pandemic hit so like i was super grateful to do that you know yeah um and everything like like with what you're saying about like, you know, things were going really well. I feel that way about a lot of other bands, like bands that are younger than us who are getting their moment in the sun now, you know, yeah. and like they, and they were just about to do all this big touring and stuff. And now it's gone. Yeah. You know, that, that I feel, I feel truly sorry for. That's yeah. That's, There's a lot of bands, you know, just got signed to a, a record label for the first time about to start their first tour national or international. And it's like, sorry you can't go anywhere and it's like now what because like when you're when you're that pumped about going on something like that it's it, it really is like derailing if you don't find another plan b right because at that point you 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 can't keep the flame going for a year and a half or two years without some momentum it's like now there's no there's no gasoline here like you can't just keep pouring <laughs> you know gas on a fire that doesn't have any flame or whatever but yeah totally. I mean, that's a good point so one thing I did see, which I thought was absolutely awesome, and you mentioned Living End earlier, you actually got to do a couple songs. Uh, I think they're coming for the new album um, for, uh, with the producer Woody Anison, who actually worked with the Living End. 
there in Melbourne. Um, you know, I, I actually think the living in is just absolutely probably no, no, uh, no disrespect to you guys. The uh, probably the most famous or whatever, the most legendary punk rock Australian band. Now you guys are obviously the come like the, the rising guard, but I, I, I didn't even know punk rock music existed in Australia until I heard the living in back in like 98. And I'm like, Holy shit, these guys are awesome. And dude yeah. standing up on his upright bass and just slamming on it as hard as I can. I was like, these guys can rock. So I yeah. thought that was awesome that I saw that you got to work with Woody Anderson. Now he worked on one of their newer albums, but um, did that kind of experience feel different and extra special at all for you guys? It, um, I think that working with Woody was a definite, a, definitely a different experience. Like we had hadn't worked with a producer <clears throat> like him before. Um, it was really good in a lot of ways and really challenging in a lot of other ways. I think that the first three records that we, sorry, the, the, from Bad Blood to Nature Nurture, so the three records we did, mm -hmm. we did them all in the same studio with the same person and we were very much in our comfort zone yeah. in that space. To work with a producer who was really contributing to a lot of the instrumentation and a lot of the structure and a lot of the um, tones and things like that was, was very different for us. It was an experience. I'm unsure that we'll do it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so much respect to him because he is a, a very talented dude who's, who's made some great records. Um, but it's hard to say if we would do it again. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> like you have to give up some of your control to let that producer do their job properly. And in some respects, producers, are really good at this and in some respects it's a really good fit but then other times it's like man it's like smashing you know your head into a wall or whatever but um you know it is it's interesting to get that perspective because you know i don't think a lot of people who listen to music like on a on just like a, a surface level even consider the producer's job in in the role of how an album comes together how it changes the sound of a band or you know whatever like rick rubin has done some of the biggest artists in the world and Every time he touches an album, you can distinctly tell when it's a Rick Rubin album from the rest of their actual albums. But most people don't even pay attention to that. They're just like, oh, this is the new Weezer album or, or Nirvana album or whatever. And they just go off and listen to the album, not really understanding that literally it could be one person that's giving these guys notes here and there that can change some stuff that, you know, maybe for the better, maybe for the worse. Uh, but in the end, that's that's the way it goes with the producer, I think. That's so true. It's yeah. so true. And, uh, you know, like, that's not to say that we'll never work with a producer again. I just feel like maybe we could find a better fit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But again, like, I, Woody has made some records with some of my friends' bands, and those records I fucking love. Yeah. <laughs> but I think maybe it's just like a bit of a shock to my system, or our system, yeah. to, 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 like, hear it in a new way. But, yeah. you know... You win some, you lose some. <laughs> it's cool. So let's talk about drums for a minute because you rock them pretty damn hard yourself. And, uh, you know, you can see this little shitty uh, electronic set that I got <laughs> back here. But, uh, you know, what's your theory on your role in the band? Because, you know, there's there's lots of these quotes out there. And 
And, and, you know, I always talk about this, this quote from Buddy Rich attributed to Buddy Rich, who was, you know, this legendary drummer from like the fifties and sixties from memory, who said something like an average band with a great drummer sounds great. A great band with an average drummer sounds average. Do you agree with that? I think that in the punk world, it's kind of, it's, um, it's a bit different because I think that like, there are a lot of drummers that I grew up listening to that. I, I would consider to be great drummers, but they're not really like the tightest drummers, you know, yeah, not like, technically the most talented or something like that. I think that um, it goes with every instrument. Like you don't have to be the greatest player. It's just more like the attitude of the person playing it Yeah, a lot of the time. Like, I think that the Ramones were a great example of that. Yeah. And like there's, there's, I could go on and on and on about bands that, that I think, just had this like you know vibe about them this like this grit and attitude like adolescence you know like or like the dead boys or like the spits you know they're all fucking they're all fucking like loose and raw but like that's what there's like an appeal to it yeah that said there are some insanely great drummers that i do feel like make the band you know or like the band wouldn't couldn't exist without them and like you know I, I would you know say like the melvins like dale crover is like one of a kind yeah he, he's he's like an insane drummer like uh gordy from the band friends of rum in australia that guy's insane bill stevenson from the descendants yeah that band wouldn't even exist without him you know yeah and that guy <laughs> look makes drumming look way too fucking easy i just was watching like an instagram live of him he's just like that i'm like playing just like one-handed roles and i'm like what the fuck? like you do not look like you're that good at drums but then when you actually hear the song you don't even think of how technical it is he's like yeah and you're like you make that look really easy because when i try that i look like a, an actual <laughs> moron sometimes he just like he just like full has figured out a way to effortlessly play yeah he doesn't and like i think that's something that when you get older as a drummer you re- you learn to you learn that your body can't take as much movement anymore yeah. so you just sort of learn to do it a bit easier yeah and like no sadly, emotions I've, that's exactly right yeah. and sadly i've experienced some very bad um rsi in my wrist in the last few years so i've definitely been watching a lot of his drumming trying to like figure out just how he does it because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting yeah. I actually have a friend who's a drummer who had the exact same thing. He's like, you want my drum set? Cause I can't even use my hands anymore. My, my wrists are done. I was like, really? And he's, he's yeah. my age. I mean, I'm 39. He's 39. Uh, actually he turned 40. I'll turn 40 this year too. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm like, and he wasn't like in a touring band. They, they played a few shows down in San Francisco relatively often. But I mean, when you playing and practicing that much, even if you're just hitting a drum pad, yeah, your wrists are going to get pretty damaged over time. Yeah, and I think it's also just that learning that you don't actually need to hit as hard as you might think you do, or you know. Well, Jake, everybody wants to hear it as loud as possible. God damn it, <laughs> man! Like that's what I thought too, but my body's <laughs> given out, man. It's fucked. Yeah, so I think every band member kind of has this uh, a different answer for this, and uh, you know, you kind of touched on this a little bit. But, you know, you, you say that every drummer kind of has an attitude. What do you think is the job of the drummer? Obviously, they're there to keep beat, right? But 
every person in the band might say like, oh, this guy's like this in our band. This guy's like this in our band. And it's not just the timekeeper, right? But that, I mean, that's essentially the basic job of the drummer. Do you have a an extension of the band that you think that drummers or you as a drummer have? Um, I think it's, I think it's just different for every band. Like, you know, I think that uh, there are, I can think of a bunch of drummers that, that are irreplaceable in, in my eyes. Like, yeah. But, um, but I also feel like the role of the drummer in, a lot of bands aside from being a timekeeper can just, it, it can be so different across the board. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know, like, it, like in our band, like the writing of the music is, is like everybody contributes to that. Yeah. We're, we're a very big collaborator on that. Um, I don't know how many other bands are like that. Definitely some, definitely yeah. descendants, definitely, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not unsure as to how to answer that. Yeah. That, it's well, the a, reason why I bring this up is because I, I, I was, well, I am a guitar player. I play guitar since I was like 11, but yeah, uh, I played in a band for a while, did solo stuff for a while. And then I joined a band as a drummer because I'd been, you know, playing drums off and on just as, you know, to keep something else as a hobby. Um, and I quickly kind of found out that like you can change the, the overall sound of the song. So like the, the guitar player singer, that was the head of the band. Uh, he was really into like playing folky chords. And so he's like playing this folky style music. And I'm like, well, we're going to make this more up tempo. I'm, I'm punk rock, like rock music. Like I like this up tempo kind of stuff. And, you know, he's, he's singing about like, <laughs> you know, suicide and like, it, it's not in a depressing way. He's like, it's called get out of jail free card was the song, but it was like, you know, even if I, do something and, and I make a fool of myself. Well, I've always got suicide in my back pocket. So that's my like get out of jail free card, <laughs> which is kind of, it was a lot of joke songs like that and, and making light of certain situations. But I'm like, I'm putting these like, you know, uh, uh, like, you know, sixties Beatles type, like, and it's like making it like this upbeat song about suicide versus like, you know, it could have easily just have been a downer song if I'm just playing some like something super like dark or something. But I think they think there is like an attitude that the song is being given by drums. Absolutely, I think that every drummer has has their own influences and and their own way of playing, and and even it can even be as like specific as like where a drummer would hit the snare or where the drummer would hit. A, a symbol and like that comes to be a really big difference um i can think of a few bands like there's this band um from sydney australia called royal headache who were really great and and i love that they were one of those bands that like they released this perfect record and when the second one rolled around i was like there's no way that this record could be better than the first <laughs> and it was so they were just this incredible band and I, I followed them for a while and stuff. And then the drummer left the band and they replaced it, that drummer with this insanely great drummer that was so good, but it just didn't feel the same. Yeah. And I think it was just the way, this, the way that the guy was playing, he was like the, the original drummer was like playing, he was like almost struggling to keep up, but it was <laughs> like, it, it, it worked so well. Yeah. It's, it's like, so I think there's definitely like a stylistic thing that doesn't necessarily connect with 
talent, so to speak, if you know yeah. what I mean. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Pink Floyd uh, actually had this kind of situation. I think it's Nick Mason was the drummer. Uh, they, they, he specifically said, like, I'm not like one of the greatest drummers. And there were times when basically Roger Waters, David Gilmore were like, play this. And he's like, I physically can't play that. So this is what I'm going to play instead. Instead, they actually even started replacing him on, on later albums with other drummers to fill in for songs that they wanted, you know, bigger, better drums. in. And I'm like, that's crazy that you're like one of the biggest bands in the world. And I don't know if he's just like lazy. I, I've never, I never, <laughs> I never got that, but I'm like, you know, maybe they're too demanding. I don't know, but it's like, that's interesting that, you know, all the time, all the money that you could put into being as good of a drummer as you want to be. And you're just like, I physically can't play that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I feel like um, another example of this was um, the guy who replaced Bill Ward in black, in black Sabbath. Yeah. That dude, like, He's, he's clearly like a very famous drummer who's an amazingly talented, but he can't play like Bill Ward. Yeah. I just remember being at, uh, like on their farewell tour, just watching him play. And he did this big, like five minute drum solo. And I was just like, man, this is not Bill Ward. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a stadium rock show, which yeah. is, you know, it's, it, they, they have to do it. Yeah. But I mean, it just they didn't feel the, the same. Uh, keep the money train rolling, right? Yeah, that's that's right. And I, I'll, you know, I'm just probably the one bitter fan in the crowd that was like, yeah, like "You're not Bill Ward. <laughs> <laughs> you suck." <laughs> like throwing out some really technical stuff, and you're like, "This isn't Black Sabbath. This isn't Bill Ward." Though, like, get off the stage. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's funny. So yeah, I mean, you actually kind of mentioned this, uh, and and I was actually reading something about the Yardbirds the other day. You're saying like, "Oh, luckily guitar players are expendable." The Yardbirds had like you know, Eric Clapton, then they got uh, Jimmy Page and Jeff Beck. And, and it's like, they th this one band had like three of the greatest guitar players of all time in the same band. And, you know, mo most people don't even know who the Yardbirds are, but it's, it's interesting that like, as, as good as those guys are, they could have been replaced in a band. Like that's insane to me. And like Jeff Beck yeah. was the longest tenured Yardbird from memory. And it's like, he's probably over time the least known of the three because eric clapton still famous jimmy page still you know led zeppelin still monstrously famous and jeff beck was kind of overshadowed by that you know monstrous fame that those guys had and they both left the band and uh obviously jimmy page went on to start led zeppelin which is uh, interesting and then that was a whole supergroup theory that him keith moon uh jeff beck i think somebody else in the band were like let's start a super group and then keith moon said it'll go over like a lead balloon so then they called them led zeppelin which just an interesting little trivia fact for people who don't know about the yardbirds or led zeppelin history or anything like that but yeah um but yeah i think that's you know as you said drummers i don't think are as replaceable as, as guitar players because uh you know some of my favorite bands when they change a drummer unless that person brings an elevated ability like blink 182 travis barker brought an elevated drum ability to yeah. that which just kind of put them over the top yeah. um, but then there's other bands that like it's just a it's a, a lateral move instead of like an elevated move and it's like this isn't the same it's just a different sound now which doesn't match up yeah that's that's so true and and like you know that's not to say at all that guitar players and and bass players can't you know um that they did it's not to say they don't have their own unique style or way of playing yeah. they definitely do i think every guitar player that we've had in our band has brought something new and but but i do think that if you can teach a guitar player to play a song they can play it closer 
to the way it's written than trying to teach a drummer to play it the, the way that it's written. If that yeah, makes I sense. agree. It, it's yeah. funny because like when you, I, I feel like when I played my drum parts to my own songs that I would play drums for, it was just the natural way that I play the drums. But then when I try to go figure out how to play drums to somebody else's song, I'm like, I don't understand how to do this. It seems straightforward, but then it's not. Something's off and I can't figure out that one little piece here or there. So yeah, that's a pretty good that's shout. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you can just go online and look at all the tabs and play guitar just note by note if you really want. Yeah. To. And I, I don't know about you, but like I, I know so, so many talented guitar players. So, so many. I know way less talented drummers, I think, you know, you're, you're right. <laughs> like, I and there's even like, less bass players out there. It's like, wow, if you find a bass player, that's like a unicorn. If you find a bass player that is actually a bass player, then yeah, that is a unicorn. But <laughs> I think a most... guitar player or drummer or something. That's, that's it, man. <laughs> I was actually a converted drummer like early on because when I was like 14 years old and I first started playing in bands, everyone I knew was a guitar player and everyone was really good and I can play guitar. Okay. But I was not as good as a lot of people that were in our circle. And I, there was just a total lack of drummers. And I was just like, I'm just going to try this yeah. to see how it goes. Yeah. And I think for like the first three years, I, I swear to God, I was just like faking it till I made it. <laughs> <laughs> like I, you just, I, I didn't consider myself a real drummer until like, like, but I'm the best drummer you ages. guys know. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's funny. Cause I mean, if you think about it, you know, bass players, true bass players, true drummers, even if bands break up, they can go out and get another job with another band quite easily. Guitar player, singer, their band breaks up. Well, they're attached to that band face and everything, right? People know those people. You don't necessarily get attached to a drummer unless you are a musician or a bass player, unless you are a musician. And then, yeah. you know, if they go out and just pick up, you know, I, you know, sunny day real estate broke up this band from Seattle, Washington, back in the nineties, two of those guys now are in the Foo Fighters. Nobody knows that. Nobody knows that mm. two of the guys from the Foo Fighters were in a band called sunny day real estate together. Nobody I cares. didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. That is interesting though. I think yeah. the, the Foo Fighters has just such a great lineup of like, of like, great musicians though yeah like I, I i feel like i knew that but i like i obviously there's um uh what's his name from the germs uh um, pat smear pat smear yeah yeah and uh yeah just dave girl i think has it has an ear for musicians yeah and i mean being an incredibly talented drummer slash singer songwriter slash guitar player it's like all right we get it dave you're a very talented guy. <laughs> I freaking love that guy though. Like his attitude and his ability to just like not really give a shit and be cool to everybody is like beyond a musician, right? He's he's like just a good dude. So it's it's pretty yeah. It's, it's good to see that you know good people actually still can make it without selling out their soul. That's so true. Yeah, they're few and far between. Yeah. So I have a few more things. So hopefully you're okay to stick around for a little bit. I'm not ruining your yeah, day yeah. or anything. No, no, cool. you're all good. I'm in lockdown, man. There's nothing going on here. <laughs> Can't even get a damn haircut, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you guys are actually one of the few bands. Now it's getting more and more common, but you have a female in the band now. Uh, obviously back in the nineties, that kind of seemed impossible to find unless it was like, you know, a, a really popular pop group or something like that. But um, now it's a lot more commonplace and probably for good reason, because women are actually quite badass at playing and and really bring a lot of energy to especially like a punk show and punk punk rock fans. So 
I'm just curious, like how did, you know, Hanny, she plays bass and, and backup vocals, obviously. Um, how did she kind of come back? How did she come into the band and what kind of feedback do you guys get about having a female in the band now? I think um, we, so we had just parted ways with our bass player um, previous to Hanny and we were trying to, we were, like we we're on the hunt for someone who would fit right. And um, we want, one thing that we knew that we wanted was someone that could sing as well. Yeah. Cause we knew that if we could get a bass player that can sing, that will add an element to the band, another instrument. And our manager at the time, um, was from Queensland and he was like, I know, you know, I, there's this girl I know called Hannah who, who does solo stuff and she's really great. I think we should, um, yeah, I think you guys should check her out. And we like listened to her. She had some solo music and we listened to that and we were like, she can really sing, like really yeah. fucking sing. And our manager was like, yeah, she's, she grew up playing in punk bands in Brisbane. She's like very respected in, in the Brisbane community. And so like, maybe like a week or two later, we actually were playing in Brisbane anyway. And we had a re replacement bass player. Um, and she happened to be playing at the same venue upstairs at just an acoustic wow. show. So we like managed to go and just catch her show. And we could see that she was a very, very well-versed guitar player, very well-versed singer, very well-versed songwriter. And she was just like a triple threat. And we were like, man, like we need this person in our band really badly. Nice. So we approached her and, and we had a jam. Um, she picked things up really quickly. She was, um, she was already a fan of the band and stuff like that. And then we just asked her the question. We were like, you know, would you be willing to join our band? And all the things that come with that, like, move, like essentially moving to Melbourne and, dropping half your life <laughs> to, <Yeah. laughs> to be in this band and she was up for it so she literally like she's like broke up with her... it's too hot anyway fuck it yeah she, she <laughs> broke up with her boyfriend and moved down to melbourne Damn. and jumped in the van with us i think i think that they broke up for other reasons but uh yeah but uh but uh yeah it it went like that and and she's been a, an incredible addition to the band in a number of ways, not uh, musically and sonically and like um, just having great ideas, but then also introducing this idea, uh, uh, definitely like a, a more like feminine and inclusive show, you know, like I find at our shows, like there are, there are so many young women that like worship her, you know, because yeah. she, because she's incredibly badass. Like she, she yeah. plays, she like she you know she is not a bass player like like we were mentioning before but yeah. i feel like she has become one of the greatest bass players i know you That's know awesome yeah it's very cool yeah i mean the bands that do have like a big presence of, of a, a you know a singular female or a few few females that you know just rock really hard generally when women you know younger women especially see them doing that it's like kind of a bit of a mind-blowing moment because it's like Oh, it's just like 30 straight bands of like dudes at a punk festival. And all of a sudden you got this, this female up there just shredding or, or, you know, screaming or singing or whatever. And it's like, that girl is awesome. <laughs> like this is, yeah. this is definitely a unique experience for females to watch that. than than just a bunch of old white guys or something. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think I, I mean maybe it's different here in um, in Melbourne, but I feel like there's definitely a movement of of you know inclusivity in in bands. I feel like people when yeah. they start bands there, they try they they make a conscious effort to make it diverse, and I think that's you know maybe you know partly political, but also because it's pretty fucking boring to just see band after band of dudes. Like it is actually incredibly boring. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh, so this sounds very similar to the last thing you're bitching about the same shit as the last guy. Yeah. It is. That's I mean, exactly it is. right. <laughs> so yeah, I, th- I think that it makes for a very awesome little musical ecosystem just to have um, an incredibly diverse and like different and, um, thriving music community like it is yeah. down here it's really really good for sure that's awesome so before you go i've got a few more questions but i have to ask you a few australian questions because i'm going to ask this of every australian group or artist or you know whatever that i speak to because i personally love australia i lived there for about four months in in gold coast uh, just south of surfers paradise for about four months in 2015 so love it love, love it. the food uh, there's not a lot of the food that's different, but there's some food that I absolutely miss. And uh, I love a lot of the cultural things. So I'm going to ask you three questions. Mm-hmm. Number one, what's your favorite kind of meat pie? I don't eat meat, but you know, but you can get a veggie when I was... like a potato pie. <laughs> yeah. You know what? There's a, there's a, um, there's a place in, um, in Sydney, called Newtown Pies. And I every time I'm in Sydney, I make an effort to visit this place because they just do a fucking awesome curry pie nice. that is really, really good. But that said, when I did eat meat, I liked a shepherd's pie. Nice. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a kind of a steak and mushroom guy, but uh, I love them all. I like even, uh, and not so much the four and 20s, but I'll eat a four and 20 in a pinch. <laughs> yeah. Four and 20s were just like, you know, that's the footy pie. That's what yeah, you exactly. have when you're at the footy. Exactly. <laughs> sausage rolls. Do you like sausage rolls or you just don't eat? Or did you ever like sausage rolls? Man, I, I love sausage rolls and I, I miss sausage. You know, there's, I might not be a meat eater, but I, I miss eating meat all yeah, the time. Yeah. <laughs> and sausage rolls. Yeah. Fuck Hopefully yeah, I'm not really like good. turning you over to the, like tipping you over to the side of like, oh yeah, go eat a sausage roll and a meat pie today or something. <laughs> nah, dude, I, I'm in lockdown and I have a freezer filled full of, um, all this, all kinds of this shit. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Are you a fan of the footy? And if so, who's your team? I am a fan of the footy in like maybe the lowest sense. Like I, I love, I, I enjoy it when my team is doing well. <laughs> so you're not a, not a demon supporter then? No. Well, you know, I, I was, I'm really happy that the demons won. Yeah. Um, because they, they had like a fifty two year drought or something yeah. like that. But um I'm a bombers fan, Essen okay. Bombers. Essen and yeah. Um and when I was a kid, they, they were like killing it, you know, that they, they won I think two grand finals in a row. And that was pretty special when I was a kid, but I, I've just yeah. grown up and they, you know, <laughs> haven't been the best team and and they I'm okay with it, but I just, yeah. it just definitely makes me less interested. <laughs> yeah. Not, not consistently making the finals at all. That's for sure. Yeah. But when they do make the finals, I'll pretend that I was with them all along. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you didn't say the demons cause I'm a Geelong fan and obviously <laughs> they absolutely smashed us in the semifinals or whatever. So 
was not so happy about that. So I'm glad that at least you picked somebody not the demons this year. <laughs> why did you why did you pick Geelong out of curiosity? Uh well, I got into when I got there and, and I was watching footy and stuff, Patrick Dangerfield was actually on the Adelaide Crows. And I was like, this dude's freaking amazing. This guy is all over the place, looks badass. He's like out there tackling dudes, like suplexing them and stuff. I'm like, this guy's awesome. Then he went to Geelong and I'm like, oh, and Geelong's got a really good team, like good, good, you know, group of guys. And then they got uh, Gary Ablett Jr. And I was like, oh, shit, this, yeah. this is about to blow up. This, this team's about to get great. And they got like Gary Rowan and all these other guys. And I was like, dude, this is a full team. And yeah, they've been good. And they just can't get over that hump to actually win lately, but to win the whole thing. But yeah, that's, that's the team. And, I, you know, I even have like the watch AFL app so I can watch it over here in the United States, which it's just that's awesome. Set. Yeah, it's a sad uh, existence when you keep seeing your team lose like right at the end. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like if you were a Geelong fan, um, you you know, in like recent years, you've had, you've had a lot of um, highs. We'll yeah, say. you can't complain too much because they're winning a lot of games. They're just not winning the championship. So it's a good yeah. team. Fun to watch. It's just disappointing every year at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel that. And, and the last Australian question I'm going to ask you is, do you like cricket or is it too boring? I, I like cricket. I don't watch it as much as I used to. Um, I don't I don't think it's boring. A lot of people think it's boring. I don't I don't think it's boring. I'm the I kind see. of person that'll like I'll put it on the TV while I'm doing other things and yeah. just you know check every now and then you know. And then you're like, oh, somebody's on a 34 and and going and you know then just smash and stuff. And you're like, oh, sweet, like go check that out for yeah. a while. I'm, I'm the same. I actually I, I love cricket. Um, a yeah. lot of guys I know in, in Queensland actually play, uh, cricket, you know, semi-professionally or whatever at the state level and the city level. So I actually cool. thought it was a lot of fun. And I think people are like, oh, it's, it's like five days. Can you watch something that's five days long? I'm like, you're not sitting there watching every minute of the thing, unless you like go to the stadium, but even still, like there's things happening. Uh, it's, it's like, if you went to five straight baseball games and instead of just taking the score for one day and saying you won, you combine the scores for those five days. What's so different about that? Like people do that all the time. So that's yeah. so funny. Yeah. yeah. But, no, yeah. I, I like it. I definitely like it. I, I mean, I probably watch one game a year and that's the boxing day test. Yeah. But, but not, you know, I, I do enjoy the sport. It's good. Yeah. Cool. So uh, your manager, Florian actually had mentioned that you're actually a fan of the band, a few of the bands that have been on the show already. Notably, Death by Ungabunga and Decent Criminal. So, first of all, fuck yeah, everyone should be. They're both awesome. Uh, I was just curious if you had any other bands that you'd recommend or you know tell our listeners to go check out. And maybe not everyone has heard of. We talked a lot about a lot of bands that people can go check already. And I don't, mm. I don't think you're going to be mentioning like a Cold Chisel. Uh, they're pretty popular in Australia, not so much yeah, yeah. everywhere else. Uh, any other bands that are coming up that you're in, into right now? Um, oh, man. Probably many. Um, do you want me to recommend an Australian one? Anywhere. Australian. Let's say one Australian, one non-Australian if you got two. Okay. I think um, I think the band Private Function from Melbourne, uh, worth checking out. They, they're, um, they're like starting to do really good things over here. They're like a very like humorous um punk rock band that uh have this like very unique style of humor they have um their guitar player is the same guitar player as that band nightbirds from the u.s <laughs> okay 
Um, so yeah, I'll definitely recommend them on a international level. Um, I gotta say, I've been smashing that death, death by Unga Bunga record so much. It's so good. Um, but yeah. maybe just looking through my playlist here, maybe, um, <laughs> put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of, the, a lot of the bands that I like aren't necessarily like hugely relevant. <laughs> um, what about, um, okay. There's a really great band called metal leg from, metal leg. yeah, from, uh, New York. And it's uh, a side project from the guys from Dirty Fences, if you've heard of that band. I haven't heard of them either, so check both of those out. I, I love it. I love it. It's really cool. Awesome. That's good because, you know, anytime we can get recommendations, you know, I always say I, I grew up in like a very rural area of the United States. And so like it was hard to find good music. And one of the reasons why I want to do this podcast is to share good music with people who aren't connected to that. And so if I can be like, hey, here's the you know, here's Jake from clown saying, go check out metal leg and, and, you know, everybody else and, uh, private function. Yeah. Go do that. Cause if you like clowns, you're probably going to like this stuff, even if it's not the same sound, you know, the, the, you know, the people that like this kind of music probably like this other kind of music. So I always like that. And, you know, it's, it's not the same as like YouTube suggesting something totally like I was listening to, I literally was listening to your guys's music the other day the album ended and like three songs later, Marilyn Manson came up. I'm like, no, I don't listen to Marilyn Manson, dude. Like that's not even the same. Nothing is similar to that. And I'm like, what, what is this? Like I had to look mm. down. I'm like, Oh my God, how did it come up to that suggestion? Like nothing said yeah. to be bad about Marilyn Manson. They got their own fans, all that stuff, but never been a fan. Never like it's not on my radar. Wouldn't think that clowns is anywhere near associated to, to Marilyn Manson. So it was just odd that that's what their algorithm came up with. Sometimes the algorithm really hits hard. Sometimes it's total <laughs> miss, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So obviously we'll add some links to the show, uh, to your guys' music in the show notes below the episode, but do you have anything you'd like to say to the fans or fans that haven't found you guys yet before we go today? Um, listen to us. Hope you enjoy it. Hope to get back to the States very soon. And be good to each other and nice. i love you <laughs> <laughs> awesome well i want to thank jake from the aussie punk band clowns for the awesome conversation today and if you haven't checked out their music yet make sure to go to the show notes below this episode for links to their music if you like what you heard on the show be sure to actually subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends on social media also if you want to check out some of our written content or any of the products or merch that we have available go to poweredbyrock.com to read our absolutely free rocking blog full of album reviews interviews and lists to keep you entertained and find our gear as well. So you can pick up some items to play and look like a rock legend. That's our show for today. We'll see you soon for the next episode until then rock on. <laughs>